0: No, it's just like the Godfather 3 when he says, uh, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in because here I am doing a hat trick, a third episode before bed here. Uh, I was just doing a little late night reading and like my head is just right back in the trough. I'm just face down right back in the trough. But last summer, a friend of mine mentioned how this guy that's kind of, he's a friend of a friend, how people were trying to cancel him cancel as they say and i didn't i guess like i forgot about it i never heard anything else about it it's like this is very niche stuff because what you don't realize is you know yeah there are these big stories you hear about where it's people who are well known musicians artists performers where some sort of controversy comes out but this this happens in every niche Like even relatively unknown genres, even stuff that the average person has never heard of and never will hear of, all that stuff plays out there too because that's the climate we're in. So my friend said, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so, you know, something came out where people are trying to cancel him. And I was like, oh really? I thought it was funny because this guy is so harmless. I had a brief communication with him, if you can even call it that. I think we traded in 2004 and that was the last time I talked to this guy like he knows who I am I know who he is but that's the extent of it he did a couple things I liked at one point in time but I'm not a fan and you know I'm not going to name him but just to describe him he's a guy who's very well known in noise music in electronic he has a metal band very well known very popular pretty much as popular as you can get in that niche world but i i've never really been that into what he does. He's very artsy. He has his own little empire. He's done a lot for people. He's done he's done a lot of good things for my friends. He loves what he does from what i gather and that's basically the extent of it. That's basically the entirety of of my view of him. Very harmless though. Like he does flirt with some controversial subject matter. But very harmless, like, and and I think with him too, it's like when he flirts with things that are somewhat controversial, it always comes across very artsy. I think his mom was a is like a famous poet or something, so he comes from that kind of background. But anyway, uh, I'd completely forgotten about that. There was this, apparently some small scale attempt to cancel him, and just tonight, like I was looking up something else before bed and I happened to come across the article. It was a blog post where someone was pointing out that he has ties to the far right. He's collaborated and released records by the far right. And I mean, nothing he's done could be considered far right to his discredit. I mean, it would probably give him, (laughs) it would probably make him a little bit cooler if he himself uh, actually seemed to embody any of those things but he's he's one of those guys where like when he does involve himself in in anything that's politically questionable i mean as if those people are really that invested in it some of them might be but you know it's one of those things though like like it seems like everything he touches it's like it's very much through the filter of art and i have no problem with that i think that's fine but he himself as far as like what he represents it's really nothing of consequence But I happen to come across uh, something meant... It was a link... It was like a page talking about this blog post outlining all of his links to controversial people. And uh, I'm trying to find uh, what I I saw. Um, But basically this guy... Here we go. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but it's exactly what you would expect. It's this hysterical analysis... They basically went through his Discogs page and found and this guy's done so much. This guy's so prolific. He has hundreds upon hundreds of releases. Like he he his own, he has he's like one of those guys who has 30 projects, 30 bands. And he also runs a record label that has released hundreds of things. So you know, we're talking it easily could go into the thousands as far as I can tell. And they found all of the examples of people he's worked with who are controversial. Anytime that he's had any connection to anybody who's controversial and is demonizing him for that and trying to spread awareness. And uh, let me just see this real quick. They basically highlight like the views of some of the people he knows. It's guilt by association to a T. It's a hundred percent guilt by association. And so they highlight some of the ex- the ways that people he knows have expressed themselves and demonize him for that. Cause that's a big part of this whole climate is guilt by association. Like somebody can pose with underage sex traffickers like Epstein and Maxwell. They can pose for them. They can be buddy, buddy with them. And it's like, Oh, well they're just at an event. They're just at an event with, uh, with those people. They're all rich, socialites, famous people. And of course, a lot of people do demonize anybody who's in a photo with Epstein and Maxwell, but on the whole, like people get a pass for that. It's really only, it's really only like uh, subversive people who care about that guilt by association. And I'm not a fan of guilt by association to begin with, especially in art, especially in music where somebody can't comprehend like what you are getting out of that thing. I've explained this a million times when I talk about free speech and all that. But it's like there's an assumption one as to like what you're getting out of it and why. But the thing is, they don't care. They don't care about intent. They've done this to other artists. They don't care about intent. And I don't either, actually. I don't care about intent either. The difference is, is that no matter what the explanation is, It's not going to change the fact that I don't care. And people can do what they want. And art is a realm of freedom. See, I can get artsy too. Even though I kind of like it when an art... Even if I don't agree with an artist... I like it when they kind of play the part sometimes. Rather than just being safe and being like, Well, this is an artistic exploration. And that goes for any of you. I mean, one of my all-time favorite bands is Explicitly Vegan. And they have lyrics about that. And you know what? I don't listen to it and get upset. You know, And I understand that somebody would make a distinction between veganism and some more controversial political viewpoint. But still, it's like, that's my approach to anything, is I don't have to agree with it. And you know, sometimes I like it more if I don't agree with it and they have some level of conviction because that's the realm that creativity exists in. That's the place for it. But there's this view that, Everything art is expressing, everything that's expressed through music, if you don't agree with it, it's propaganda. That's sort of this assumption that people make, is that, oh, if I don't agree with it, or if it's controversial, it's a gateway to actually believing that. It's promoting that. You're welcome to see things that way. But it's funny how, you know, this call for censorship and... uh What's hilarious though is this guy wrote this blog post that made its rounds. It doesn't seem to have had a huge impact, but it's available online. And even if these things are small, they have a small impact. People read them. There are people who take it seriously. And there were a couple other publications that covered this guy's blog post. Like, for example, there was like an electronic, I saw that an electronic. Music online magazine, I guess you'd call it, like they review and cover electronic music. They made a statement where they're no longer going to cover this guy's work because of the blog article. Another one, I think, edited an interview or a post. A guy, well, actually, a, a guy's book, and I'll get into this guy in a second. But this guy wrote a book about creative thinking, and he quoted this artist, who, the artist in question, and he removed that from the book. Since all these things are eBooks now, he removed that so it's no longer in the book. Even though this guy had actually given the most publicity to this artist. This author of the book is also a music journalist who I actually had an interaction with, and I'll get into that in a minute. He's exactly what I thought he was, which is, I love it. I love being right, man. But anyway, what's funny about it is this guy wrote a blog post, like the exact kind of hysterical, I mean, it, it tries to be analytical and source everything it says, but it's hysterical. It's somebody suffering from a case of hysteria. It's somebody who has been infected. They're they're trying to ruin this guy's shit is basically what they're trying to do. And they do it exactly the way you'd expect them to do it in this climate. But what's so funny about it is after this guy wrote the blog post, this other publication that covered the blog post, because everything's meta now, everything is like an article about an article about an article about a tweet you know that's just the world we're living in it's this hall of mirrors where like everything is about something that is about something else like nothing is actually a real story and that's true for corporate journalism as well but this is a smaller scale but what's funny is this guy wrote this blog post he comes across you know like a vigilante trying to shut this artist down oh he has connections to the far right oh my god but then this Publication that covered that article added an an addendum to their article and they say since publication of the original article a number of tweets containing anti-semitic homophobic and misogynistic language shared by the original blog author that date back to 2010 have come to light. He also tweeted photographs of himself wearing a t-shirt of far-right group Burzum in 2020. In a follow-up post he has referred to these to this as regrettable and noted that they were posted as an angry teenager adding I acknowledge that I was wrong and I apologize for saying such hurtful things. So this guy was a teenager, this guy who tried to cancel this artist, he was a teenager in the 2010s, which means he's still young. That would make him what? Like under 30 for sure. And then in 2020, he posted himself in a Burzum shirt whose views are well known. I mean, the mainstream pretty much knows who Burzum is at this point and what he's all about. But it's so funny. It's perfect. You couldn't script this. Where it's like the guy who was trying to ruin another artist's credibility by linking him to controversial people and subject matter, it turns out has a history of anti-Semitic, homophobic, and misogynistic (laughs) statements made on social media and recently in the last two years posted a picture of himself in a burzem shirt and so I like it when it all falls back on him it all and it and it's always that it's always somebody who has a guilty conscience it's always somebody with a guilty conscience and I even said that in, in an episode last night where I was talking about when people make these decisions like not just trying to cancel somebody and I don't I don't call it canceling I just call it censoring I don't believe in, I don't believe in that buzzword catchphrase cancel culture canceling I just like it, it's kind of like what I was saying about gaslighting let's not forget what lying is let's not forget about the word lying right same thing with canceling let's not forget about censorship it's one thing to have views but these are all framed around the idea of we need to stop this person But it's, it's perfect because this is, it's somebody with a guilty conscience. Whenever somebody signals, it's not every time, but a significant amount of the time, it's somebody with a guilty conscience. And this is a person whose guilty conscience doesn't go that far back. Because what's funny is they were actually targeting the artist for things from 2006. One of the things that they kept harping on was an interview he did in 2006 and a photo of him with a so-called far-right artist in 2006. So here this guy was making far more offensive statements. I don't know what they said. I would have to see them to really know. But the the fact that the author was making anti-Semitic, homophobic, and misogynistic statements on Twitter in the 2010s while trying to ruin a guy's life for a photograph and things he said in 2006... So he's trying to ruin a guy's shit for things that happened long before this guy was doing worse things in theory. I don't care that the guy was making offensive Twitter posts, but it's just, that's the 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 beautiful irony of it all. So it comes back on him. And then I like how his response was, what I said was regrettable, and I was an angry teenager at the time. Well, do you not give other people that right? Like, do you what you did was regrettable and you were an angry teenager what about uh, the the guy you're targeting is he not allowed to do regrettable things when he was an angry 24 year old i know the artist in question i think he's probably 40 i think he's 40 now so he was a an angry young man perhaps and then but then he's never even said anything that offensive like he's explored offensive subject matter i guess you could say But he himself, I've never heard of him once. I've actually, I know people who know him. I have friends who are actually pretty good friends with him. And they've talked about him. And from what I've gathered, he's he's a pretty sensitive individual. He's a pretty sensitive individual in his own right, from what I gather. But what's funny is they brought up this Pitchfork article that covered him. And the author of that Pitchfork article, I guess, like came out and he was like, "Oh, I should have known. Oh my God, I'm so sorry a pitchfork journalist is a professional music journalist. And I know exactly who he is because he had a, he had an article, he had a, a regular, he had a recurring section on pitchfork covering metal. And he actually contacted my friend and I about something we were doing at the time. This is probably around 2006, 2007. And he wanted to, I don't know if he wanted to do a full interview, but he wanted to ask us some questions and talk about our music and I said no I smelled a rat right away I said no I mean first of all I would refuse to do anything in Pitchfork refuse not because it's too big because it's everything I hate especially with certain kinds of music certain kind of music should not be covered there I'd do something with Spin Magazine before I'd work with them I'd do something with far bigger. I'd do freaking circus magazine. I would not do pitchfork. And so we straight up said, no, we said, no, it would have given us attention, but I refused to do it. I said, no, not politely. Just no, we, we, it wasn't thank you for your interest. I said, no, cause I smelled a rat and this guy, he was poking his rat nose around at the time too. And you know the thing about journalists is a lot of journalists are parasites. Not all of them, a lot. And the same is true. It's interesting that it doesn't matter what their beat is. Music journalists are just as bad, sometimes worse. There's something parasitic about the entire industry. And there was a point in time where I thought about becoming one. You know, when I was in high school, I was on the newspaper team. I was I was an editor for my high school newspaper I loved writing I loved doing editorials I enjoyed the the behind the scenes of it too I enjoyed the mechanics of producing a newspaper but by the time that I graduated I was just like that's not for me and I feel that way even more now but this guy he was poking his nose around some people we knew and then he somehow got a hold of us and he wanted to I think he wanted a statement or something very favorable he was simply he he was simply expressing interest in us and he wanted to cover us in his pitchfork article which is a a big publication it was a big publication then it is now said just no good luck goodbye no and it was my decision you know my friend agreed 100 percent it was miles but uh Miles and I were on the same page, of course, but it it was like when I saw it, I just said flat out no, if I need to say that again. But anyway, this is the same guy. um, I think, uh, let me just, I'm going to do a little uh, lifeline search here. I think he's the same guy. I think I've told this story before. Let's see. I'm pretty sure this is the same guy. Um, maybe not. Because there was a, a book that was about metal band names. Let me see here. Around 2007, 2008. Okay, it's a different author. It might as well be him, but I'll just go into that story real quick as sort of a, a little relief. What we call a relief. Relief. There was a book that came out called All Known Metal Bands, and this guy he was a he was a music journalist too. Okay, this came out in two thousand eight. It was called All Known Metal Bands, and the only reason I know about it is because uh, Miles was working at the local record store here in Olympia, Rainy Day Records. It's been here forever, and I came in to visit him, and he's like, "Look at this book that we got in," and it was called All Known Metal Bands, and all it was front to back was just in alphabetical order. In theory, every metal band's name, no information, no no biographical information, just their names from front to cover, and it was done ironically. It was like, uh, this is before Death Clock and shit like that, this is before whatever that Metalocalypse, but still, it was that sort of humor, like the Metal Cats book that I mentioned. It's like people who have this outsider humor about metal, like, isn't this funny? Every known metal band name. It wasn't a source of information. It wasn't for people who are interested in metal to go through the book and be like, oh, I'm learning about bands or I'm finding out which bands exist. It was done with this like hint of irony. Like, isn't this funny just to read the list of every known metal band name? And it was written by another music journalist. And we were both, we were both pissed at it. You know, not seriously angry, but both just like, fuck that. And the the only reason we knew about it is because the store Miles was working at carried it. And then in some twist of fate, Calvin Johnson, who owns K Records, he's very famous. And Miles loved him growing up. Like when Miles was a little kid, he was a K Records fan. Calvin Johnson bought that copy. They only had one copy of this book. Calvin Johnson bought it because he goes to Rainy Day Records. And he did a live performance that was videotaped and available online years ago, where his live performance, he did like this performance art, spoken word, where he had bought that book and he just read it from front to back, like some bullshit pseudo Andy Kaufman joke, where he's he just read the names of every single known metal band from this book. And a lot of it has multiple, like, like it has the same band name, because I mean, there's multiple bands with the same name. So it lists those one after the other. There's really like blasphemous and offensive band names and people are laughing. Again, it's this outsider take on metal where it's irony. I have a sense of humor about metal, but I don't appreciate that outsider take where it's like, isn't metal funny? Oh, dude, that's so, dude, that's metal as fuck, dude. I, I hate that kind of humor. The stuff that I find about metal or the stuff that I find funny about metal comes from being a fan and knowing the material. Weird choices. Weird choices. Weird lyrical choices, weird art choices. It's the quirks that you can only really get a feel for if you're a fan. But that sort of outsider take is like, dude, isn't metal funny? Dude, every metal band name. uh..." You know, so it was this weird thing, though, where it's like we saw that book and it's almost like we blessed it or something. Because it's like this famous guy, famous musician who owns a record, the famous local record label he bought it and did a a performance art piece with that book reading it off but it turns out it wasn't the same guy that i was thinking of he wasn't the pitchfork guy he might as well have been but what's funny about it too is it was effortless like this book was published but the guy clearly went to metal archives and just copy and pasted every band name in there so it's not even like he did research it's not even it's not even like he did independent research to try to learn the name of every known metal band. He just went to metal archives and looked at it alphabetically and copy and pasted every band name you could tell. And he tried to contact some friends of mine who have a band and he wanted to do an interview with them or something. And a friend of mine in that band called him out and he said, you released that metal book. And all you did is copy and paste the whole list from metal archives. And the guy was like, no, I, I only got some of the bands from metal archives. I, I actually did my own uh, research to get more, bands. it was just, you know, again, a parasite music doesn't need those people. Art doesn't need those people, but, uh, not the same guy, but might as well be right. Might as well be. But anyway, so, so this, uh, this pitchfork guy who's different from that guy, but he's of the same breed. He wrote this article about the artist I was talking about originally who somebody attempted to cancel last year. And he's really upset. Like he's like, Oh, I didn't know that the guy had far right ties. I should have done a bit more research. And I looked at his social media accounts and all he does is say exactly what you're supposed to say. He's exactly what you'd expect. He is exactly what you'd expect. Old dude with a big beard and a beanie and glasses. Exactly what you'd expect. All the views you'd expect. The exact approach to all that stuff you'd expect. But anyway, yeah, when, when, he, when he had contacted us, we just shut him down. Because, you know, you could smell him. You could smell what he was up to, the kind of guy he was. And there's, you don't want to touch people like that. And so, of course, he was willing to throw this guy, even though he was up this guy's ass, he was up this artist's ass for years. He did, he included him in his book. He wrote this big article about him in 2006. He wrote other articles about him. He was up this guy's ass and he was clearly a fan. But the second that somebody, some nobody on a blog tries to cancel him, he joins right in because these people, they have no loyalty to anybody. They don't actually like the things they pretend to be into. They're more than happy to toss them under the bus. They are. That's just how they are. And that's exactly what this guy did. And I, and I saw that he's written books since then. He wrote a book about crying. <laughs> he wrote a book about be, like what it, is, what it means to be sad. It's literally about crying. That's how he described it. He wrote a book about crying. So... It, You know, back in 2006 or 2007 when we refused to talk to this guy, you know, we knew what we were dealing with. Even though none of this information was available, you could just feel. You could just feel it. You could sense it. You know, I was talking a couple nights ago last night, who cares how many nights ago, about, you know, when you see something and then you realize it's an ad. Like when you're scrolling social media and you see a promoted post... And you don't notice it right away, but something in your stomach clenches up. Or when you're watching a video and then you, you realize it's a commercial and your stomach clenches up. That's what it was like to, to interact with this guy. Even just getting an email from him expressing interest in what we were doing, your stomach clenches up. It's, an, it, it's called Intuition. And so our intuition was spot on about this guy. And even this guy who he was promoting and applauding, he's willing to throw him under the bus in today's climate. And who knows what skeletons that guy has in his closet. He's probably got a photo with Epstein. But I just thought it was so funny that like the guy that there was, they were t- attempting to cancel is harmless like he's not even a good choice. Like if you want to call somebody out for being controversial, he's not even a good choice. He's a guy who really cares about art, has his own little empire in a niche field. He's got a, a relative a relatively high amount of success in that field. But he's harmless. He's as harmless as you can get as far as I'm concerned. To his detriment. He would be cooler if he was more dangerous. Not, not if he had more dangerous views, but simply if you didn't get the feeling that there was more to him, you know? But anyway, it's just funny to me. I just, I find the humor in all this. And then the ultimate kicker is that the guy responsible for the attempted cancellation, and I'm only using that term because why not? You know, just, just so you know what, what this is. But the guy trying to kickstart the censorship... The fact that it came out that he made a bunch of bigoted tweets not that long ago. And he was posing in a Burzum shirt not that long ago. So <laughs> it's, it's like, of course, he has a guilty conscience. And it shows you how people get possessed. And then I, I found like this Twitter thread where that article was shared. And I looked at the responses, which there weren't that many. It's not like this is Ryan Seacrest getting called out. This is a guy, this is a relatively niche artist. But the responses were like, oh, thank you for sharing. Oh my God, thank you so much for doing this. I had no idea he was connected to those people. Oh, thank you so much. Like people who are like, they just buy right into it. There were a couple people who were like, this is bullshit. Good luck trying to cancel this guy. There were a couple people who stood on firm ground but there were a bunch of people who were just like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I, I had no idea. I promoted this guy's work before. And that journalist was among them. You know, he was like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know. I should have done more research. I should have done better research as a journalist. I didn't know that he was connected to the far right. But I saw one comment where somebody was like, artists on the far right connected to the far right, you know, have they do not deserve a platform. Because that's the view, is that the idea is that if your art connects to the far right at all, you shouldn't even be allowed to produce it. It's not even just about calling them out. There are people who believe you shouldn't actually be allowed to do that. You're not allowed to sell it. Discogs doesn't let you sell certain things, regardless of intent. I mentioned that before, how I was trying to sell a 7-inch a by an experimental artist whose name references world history. And the artists themselves, funny enough, are outspoken liberals. I saw a picture of one of the guys at a BLM protest. There's a live performance of these guys back at their in their heyday where they explicitly say, like, our name, we don't believe in, in the thing our name is referring to. And their name is just referring to a, a historical event. It's simply referring to a historical event that has some weight to it. It's not even just like... Pure shock value. Even if that was the intent, just to come up with something shocking, there's nothing about the name that implies like they're just, it's not like it has slurs in it or something. It's just, it refers to a historical event that was very dark and heavy. And every time it comes up, people uh, get weird. But it's funny because those guys, like I tried to sell their 7 inch because it's old and it's rare. And I couldn't even sell it on Discogs because it's banned just because of the name, just because of the name of the band. You can't sell it on there, even though the guys are outspoken liberals. For me, that doesn't make a difference. Shouldn't make a difference. Even if they believed in it, I don't think that you should be blocked from selling it. But the funny part about it is that the guys themselves are the opposite of that. They're liberals. They go to BLM protests and they were that way back then too. It's not like they had a change of heart. They did live performances where, like, they explained that their views are the opposite. They're just basically using it for artistic purposes. Um, But that's the idea, is that this stuff, you can't sell it. It doesn't deserve to be manufactured, produced, bought, and sold. And you certainly shouldn't give it any attention or listen to it. That's kind of what runs behind all this. And from one of those comments in response to the article... That's what, the, that's what people believe. They don't believe that anything that could be even peripherally connected to the far right should be, should be allowed to exist. Sounds wonderfully creative. Sounds just like a wonderfully creative environment you believe in. But I felt a little bit of satisfaction when I saw that that journalist we had the interaction with, felt a little bit of smug satisfaction when I saw that he was in the mix. And I felt felt a lot of smug satisfaction when I saw that the guy who is responsible for all this has, has behaved way more offensively recently. And then I felt another sense of smug satisfaction when I saw that journalist who gave off a stench even through an email. I felt satisfaction that he was involved, being just as slippery as you would expect. Because I think you should just default to that view. You know, because whether, because like the thing is, journalists tend to think of themselves as virtuous just for being journalists. Like journalists who cover politics and events going on in our world, they feel very virtuous because they think they're giving voice to the truth. They think they're doing a good deed, especially when it's politicized, especially when they have a political agenda and they can shape it, they can spin it. They feel they're doing virtuous because they're, you know, shaping people's minds in a preferable way. And um, so that's one side, but music journalists also feel they're virtuous because they have this idea that they're the ones who are making and breaking artists' careers careers by giving attention to an artist they're helping that person maybe sometimes maybe sometimes it does help them it gives them attention maybe it does sell records and get people to buy tickets i'm not saying it doesn't do that but they feel like great people for doing it and they enjoy the power that that gives them like if you write for pitchfork magazine you enjoy the power that your review has because you know that millions of people are going to read it. If you have a section on Pitchfork Magazine highlighting upcoming metal bands, you enjoy the power of picking and choosing who gets to appear there and how you write about it. Oh, and you're doing them a favor. Are you doing such, You're doing them such a favor, man. Maybe to somebody who wants that kind of attention, but... You know, it's, in my opinion, it's not worth dealing with somebody like that. But that's, that's what goes on in these little corners. Is it all these things you hear about in bigger places involving bigger names, bigger celebrities, actors, musicians, famous people that plays out on a smaller scale too. plays out in people's personal lives. But it plays out on a larger scale. It plays out in the work workplace. But you know what? It doesn't take long to find somebody's dirty laundry in their closet. And I think that's the beauty of this example, is that the guy who tried to call it all out, the people who covered his article had to amend their own articles and say, oh, it's come out that the author of this is actually a piece of shit too. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Who's surprised though? Not me.